much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I am overjoyed to have the privilege of being with David Johnson II today. I heard him lead worship several times now, actually. Um, one of the conferences I was speaking for at Legacy Church, he was the worship leader. And good golly, Miss Molly, people are on the floor. They're in the presence of God. They're worshiping. And you could just feel the Lord being honored in that place. And we've just kind of stayed pals through Facebook and just Messenger and such and wanted to connect with him to share <clears throat> some of his passion and his desire um, to help help men walk in sexual wholeness. And we'll have a million other episodes with him because he is a worship leader, a communicator. He is a life coach and mentor. He is certified all over the map. Um, and he's just getting wrecked by the goodness of God in the best way possible. And uh, I want to give you a little story for me of why I, why I think this is a very important topic. So I um, I think I was an undergrad and I was taking a lot of sociology classes and I'm being indoctrinated about how bad men are. And so I have a very feminist teacher and I'm like 17, super naive. I've never really heard about like prejudice and misogyny and all these terms. And so I'm like, oh, I hate white people. I hate black people. Oh, no, I don't hate black people. I hate white people. I hate men. I hate business owners. Oh my gosh, all these people are so bad. And so I declared that I was a feminist at that point. And <laughs> the Lord is so cute. He let me go for two weeks. So no shaving of armpits, um, smelly. I was like, I'm dedicated. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm not doing it half bottomed. I am going to go all in. So I was a full feminist for a solid two weeks. And then the presence of the Lord, he spoke to me and said, Shannon, if you love women, you would not hate men. You would start praying for men because they're the covering of society. They're the covering of women. They protect. And when society is properly functioning, all the races come together and they honor each other. Men are honoring and serving their wives, their families, their communities. It is not a misogynistic, pejorative. Um, and women are not being sexually assaulted when the kingdom is properly operating. Their women are not being objectified because there's an honor and a, a mutual respect in my kingdom. And so I would rather you join me in praying and interceding for men, raising and elevating men to the right position so that now in a healthy soul, a man can cover and protect women in society. Yes, that's such a beautiful story. And I'm so glad that the Lord delivered you <laughs> from the feminist perspective. But it's understandable because yeah. societally, um, the role and the, the posture of men yeah. has really just the devil's had a field day with it. And it's yeah. so heartbreaking. But the, the way that we restore anything, I love Galatians 6 and 1, because it says those that are spiritual, if anybody's overtaken in a fault, those that are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of meekness. We mm. can't restore anything in pride. Yeah. We can't restore anything in frustration and anger yeah. We restore in meekness. So I just yeah. love that you were able to go low yeah. and let the Holy Spirit bring you to that point of looking for how we can restore and lift men up. That's so good. So David, what's been your journey? You're a normal man attracted to women. What does yes. it look like for you to walk in purity, especially now as a married man, but at some point you weren't married. So what's that journey been like for you? Absolutely. Such a beautiful question. And I'm 
I'm just very grateful for just the way that God works with you and develops you to being able to be vulnerable and open stuff up and just not care because that's <laughs> how we heal, right? If we can show each other our scars, we can overcome together. So my journey, I mean, I was probably nine years old when I was exposed to pornography for the first time, struggled with it throughout the entirety of my scholastic years, uh, would go on and off. I was a preacher's kid, I was a pastor's kid. So just the pressures of trying to live at a standard when I found myself constantly going back to this particular system. And I started to learn about myself that the more that I hated myself for what I was doing, mm -hmm. the harder it was for me to actually leave it behind. Yeah, safely. that's good. And what I began to discover is that the Lord was not pushing me away, though I was really involved in things that did not please him. He was actually trying to pull me closer because by virtue of his presence and mm -hmm. knowing him, the passion the hunger and the proper motivations for change would be there. And yeah. what I started to learn, the first thing I think for my journey, Dr. Shannon, is that if you hate something about yourself, that's not the right foundation to change it. Come right? on. But we have to be able to take that thing to the Lord and say, God, I don't like this, but you love me. So I need to separate myself from what I'm doing. So yeah. my journey really began as being able to say, David, you're not dirty. <laughs> this is a dirty habit and you mm -hmm. can break it, but yeah. you're not dirty. God loves you and you can be pure because God said you can. So really distinguishing and separating my identity from what I was involved in was that first step. And so beyond that, by the grace of the Lord, I was able to make it all the way to marriage being a virgin. And I'm super proud to say that because it's wow. not Congratulations. I, I raise it as a banner, Shannon, every time yeah. I get, because I want men to know it's possible. Yes. And if you're not, it's okay. You can start mm -hmm. over and be a virgin Absolutely. right now today by making the decision that you're going to dedicate yeah your purity to the Lord and to your spouse when the Lord yeah. brings you into that, that person's life. So I was That's able good. by the grace of God to endure and to be able to discover sexual uh, interaction with my wife as a fresh, pure experience, because both of us were virgins wow. and we didn't know what the heck we were doing, but by God's <laughs> grace, we were able to step into this relationship together. So I really believe that my life is a testimony of what's possible, that you can be free and that you can really step into these beautiful things that God has for us with a pure heart and a pure motive. It's so good. And many times we need that hope. We need to see that it is possible. And I love how you're starting with the conversation with identity versus behavior. And that's so key because even in my own life, I had a lot of junk. And so I would hate myself and go, don't worry, God, I won't do that again. And I would cut myself and cry and all this yep. self-loathing and self-rejection. And then every time I made a vow, I won't do that again, I would do it doubly worse the next time. And so then the self-hatred would just increase. And the whole time I was not walking in liberty because I wasn't walking in God's strength. I was walking in my willpower. Yes. So what do you have to say for people that feel like, man, I've been in this like hamster wheel for so long. Um, maybe they're having affairs. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's just thoughts, fantasies, uh, places that men may go in their mind. Um, if somebody has been on that a really long time and they're feeling weary and they're like, well, that's nice. I'm glad for you, David. Uh, but I have a hard time believing that could be for me because maybe they've been in this for a really long time and can't imagine hope. Absolutely. You know, I would say to that person, I literally have said the same words. Mm. I've heard people preach on deliverance from sexual sin and being free yeah. and amazing testimonies. And like, that's great. Yeah, right. That'll never happen for me. Right. I've, I've uttered the same words. So whoever is listening that maybe you have that in your heart, I resonate with you. I've been there. And what I can tell you is what you really have to do is start by getting to know the truth about yourself. 
That's mm. really where it starts. Yeah. You got to get to know you. And the way that you do that is you got to begin to ask yourself questions and look for patterns. So here's what I did. I started to look at the, the what leads up. Okay, David, let's stop for a minute. What happens in your life right before an episode where you're really, really stirred up, riled up sexually, and you want to go to pornography? Mm. What happens? And I started to notice patterns, Shannon. Yes. I started to notice that typically what would happen is I would be in a very low, lonely place. Mm -hmm. Something yeah. would happen, whether it be my family, whether it would be things going on in my job, school, just pressures, difficulties, mm -hmm. challenges, things not going right that would lead me to a place of just being low. Mm -hmm. And then there was an option that was presented to me about, hey, this might make you feel better. So you have to start to look and get to know your own rhythms mm -hmm. so that you can start to see, okay, you know what? A plus B is going to equal C. When I feel like this, usually temptation is kind of slotted in and then I end up falling. It's not just your bad. It's not just something's wrong with you. There are conditions and pressures in your life that are causing you to feel a certain way. And then you begin to look for a release. That's you start right. to look for a stress reliever. You start to look for something to relieve the pressure. So I would encourage any man that's listening, you have a rhythm and a pattern. You mm -hmm. just got to look and discover what that is. So that is what I would say the first step. There are several other things, but the first yeah. step is you've got to get to know your patterns and mm -hmm. study, become a student of yourself, become yeah. a student of your mood, become a student of what gets you high, what gets you low. Mm -hmm. And when you start to see the conditions of the world around you, pushing you to a low place, really put your antenna up. You know what? These are the situations where I would run yeah. to porn. This is when I would pick up the phone and call that old flame. This is the situation where I would step out on my wife or my spouse or my girlfriend. Let me make a change now. Let yeah. me shine light on it and tell somebody now. Let me find a trustworthy person now and say, hey, I'm not feeling so good. And before I make a mistake, I want to open up and shine light on it. So good. So good. So we got to know our identity is not our behavior. So we don't want to go into that shame condemnation spiral because then you're going to want to self-medicate more. Yes. And then to your second point, we've got to know the patterns, the rhythms, what are my triggers, what are the preceding factors, uh, precipitating factors that lead before that um, vulnerable moment. Absolutely. And I love the walk of accountability. How do you choose somebody to be accountable to? And what does that look like? That's such an excellent question because there are some, unfortunately, that are just not equipped at, the, at their current per, you know, at their current place uh, mm -hmm. where they are with God. And that's okay. Everybody's growing. No shame, no shame. But not everybody is equipped to handle the, the pressures and the challenges associated with sexual sin. And so in terms of choosing the right accountability partner, I really try to encourage people. You really want to find somebody that has walked through whatever it is that they struggle with. It may not be sexual sin, but whatever their, their issue may have been, that is really in a stable, consistent place of victory. You want to look for people that are stable. When, you're, when you see somebody like, man, that, that person's a rock. You want to get to know them a little bit and just find out about their journey. And when you can see them being very consistent in multiple areas of, your li of their lives, that's an indication that that might be somebody that's helpful because anybody that can be stable is not going to be moved when you're not stable. Yeah. Anybody that is secure is not going to be moved by another person's insecurity. I've seen that I've even had accountability partners that were not really victorious in this area either. And so trying to talk to them about where I am and they're in the same place. We're not really helping each other too much. Right. So you really, it's okay to have people that you're journeying with together, but in terms of accountability, you want to look for a person that's steady, that's stable, that's consistent. They may not have to have struggled with the same thing that you did, but mm -hmm. if you can see that they're steady, that's, yeah. a, that's one of the first indicators. And I think the second thing that I look for is a person that 
you know, I, I, I'm kind of a test the waters person, Shannon. So I like to kind of, you know, give people certain elements and see kind of how they handle them. Mm-hmm. So I might talk about certain issues that maybe aren't quite as deep and see where they're at. Mm-hmm. And if I can see that there really is no condemnation, that they're able to very easily handle what I say, you know, okay, yeah. well, let me tell you this. And I don't feel judged. I don't feel made small or made less than then you're kind of building to a place where you can trust them to go to the deep port. So it's okay to let it be progressional. It's okay for it to be mm-hmm. something that you build towards because that's a relationship, right? Yeah. You don't want to spill your guts right at the first time that you meet somebody. But when you see and can discern that they've got the character and the stability to sustain it, start yeah. feeding them some of the things that you're struggling with and see how they respond. And then you can go deeper. And deeper. That's so good. And for many people, um, I think we can rationalize and we can justify. And I mean, even to the beginning of our conversation today, you're saying a lot of men can uh, justify and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm a man, I can't really help it. And so what do you think can motivate somebody? Why is this even important to have sexual purity? We live in an age where it's like flaunted everywhere. Um, And it would be so countercultural to walk in sexual purity and fidelity to one partner. What, What do you think is the motivation of why that matters? This is a profound question, Dr. Shannon. I'm so glad that you asked that. I think that for men particularly, because of, listen, sex is wonderful. It's an amazing experience. And I think that because of the physical benefits that are associated with it, we leave ourselves completely ignorant of the spiritual ramifications of sex that is not protected in covenant, right? So we just don't know. I can tell you that many men just don't know that sex affects them in very, very profound ways. They just don't think about it. So here's what I've learned in my own journey, Dr. Shannon, about why, what motivates a man to be sexually pure. Mm -hmm. What I began to understand, and this partly came through reading scripture, but just my journey with the Lord individually, scripture refers to the seed of a man as his strength. Mm -hmm. It refers to his seed as strength, its power, its influence. There is a nation inside every man. Yeah. There is an entire people group inside of every man. And when we are wasteful with that seed, there's two things that happen. We, we, are, we are releasing a nation into the earth that we don't have the ability to mentor and develop. Yeah. That, that cannot, that we don't have any opportunity to really manage their character and how they're developing. But Ooh. even beyond that, let's say you have protected sex, right? Kids aren't even the issue. Mm-hmm. Anytime a man and a woman come together, that man is, is becoming one and is leaving a deposit into mm-hmm. that woman. He's becoming one with her. And that doesn't just end. You don't just break covenant when you move on to the next partner. It it doesn't happen that way. Uh, Scripture does not interpret marriage as white dress. Yeah. No, when you become together physically, that's a marriage. So Mm -hmm. spiritually, you have connected and become one with the person, which means that you made a deposit into them and they've made a spiritual deposit into you. So there are aspects of the character of these partners that men are receiving into themselves and it causes your identity to be fractured. I've seen so many men who don't know why they become so angry. I don't know why this rage is just stirring up. But if you look at some of the people that you've connected and become one with, what did they struggle with? Mm. You'll find patterns. Oh yeah. This oneness thing, Dr. Shannon, it's a real thing. And I don't think that we as men, we we, we tend to think that it's not going to affect us that way, but it does. Our character becomes broken down. The security of our identity becomes broken down. And we begin to, 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 um, to, to release and to let go of aspects of our character and identity into people that are not equipped to manage it. 
Mm. Right. Into people that are not necessarily going to be in it for the long haul to partner with us in our own development and our, and our maturity. So I think for me, what really motivated me to be sexually pure was understanding that number one, my seed is strength. Mm. But number two, I, I, I want to be purely who God wants David to be. I don't want to be David plus uh, Jane plus Mary plus whomever else and have yeah. all of these identities competing for who I'm truly supposed to be. That scared yeah. me. And I didn't realize that, but that really helped me to stay and to desire to be pure. Yeah. That's so good. And I think it's really important in this day and age to know that when the two become one, highlighting what you're saying, that in the spirit realm, whatever spiritually the junk this person might be dealing with, it legally can go to the other person. Yeah. So I've seen that a lot in my office where people have never dealt with something and they slept with somebody or just cross sexual boundaries. It didn't even have to be full intercourse. Just that sexual something um, can like create pathways. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but I've noticed they're now like, man, I'm dealing with this issue that you didn't used to be mine. And now I'm having thoughts and feelings and impulses. I don't know where this is coming from. I'm having insomnia and all of these things. And so normally we'll have to go back and say, okay, Lord, I repent of sexual immorality. And we're praying the ungodly soul ties that were created between us. That's creating like a, a little bridge between yes. their souls that that is being severed. And now Lord, anything attached to that person, we command to leave um, by the authority of Jesus, because when we it's with free will, I can love Jesus and be a Christian and still choose to sin. And so then now I'm a double-minded man and I have two doors open. And I hear it all the time where people are so frustrated and they're like, well, why is God letting that happen? Why is this person reaching out to me? Why did that happen in my life? And I'm like, well, I mean, legally, you know, there's gravity. So if you walk off a tall building, there's gravity. There's a law, a principle that you're going to fall to the earth. Similar sexuality, the Bible describes as the only sin that's against our own temple, that there's something about that transference and that when the two become one, you're now tearing apart something that was united. And so you have to ask the Lord, Father, would you return the parts of my heart and my soul that um, have been given to this person and under the blood of Jesus? and restore to me and I restore to them every piece of their heart and their soul that they would be restored and washed in the blood of Jesus, that we wouldn't have these weird commingling back to your point of Mary and Jane and all these, like we can literally carry stuff and have no idea. And the trick of the enemy in the Western world, I mean, he's more overt in some geographical regions, but in America, it's very like, oh, it's cool. It's not a big deal. I'm not phased by that. It's totally fine to just just friends and hookups and all of these uh, socially acceptable trends that actually I see them afterward and the, the condition of their soul is not well. Right. Yeah. And I, I love what you said. And I love that you even gave the language for how to pray and how to untie. Mm -hmm. these soul ties. And I just wanted to, to double back on one thing because yeah. I really, I really sense in my spirit. I know that there's probably a guy or two out there that's like, ah, mm -hmm. I don't know about all this stuff, David. I, I don't, I don't know that it's that deep. And I want to ask you a question. If you can answer the question, who am I? If somebody asks you, Hey, who is James? Who is John? Who is Michael? Whatever your name is. If somebody asks you who you are, can you give them a clear defined answer? And if you cannot, and you've been sexually active with multiple partners, I'm concerned that maybe you haven't been clear enough in your own spirit and then mm -hmm. spent the time with God to really get clarity as to who you are. If you can't answer that question and you know that you've had multiple partners, I just really want you to be sober. I want you to think and say, you know what? Maybe I really need to take this seriously because if you can't answer that question, it's indicating that there are areas of your identity that may be in other people 
and you may be carrying the identities of other people in your own body. Ah, that's deep. And it makes me think, you know, being a psychologist, that there's developmental stages that we're supposed to achieve. And the unfortunate thing about a culture that's hypersexualizing during developmental milestones is a lot of kids are being exposed, whether through pornography or conversation or play where they touch each other or uh, they see things in movies or YouTube. I mean, there's just such graphic stuff everywhere. It's not just like at a porn store, like it's just permeating our culture at this point. And so, you know, I've used the analogy before, it's like giving a kid cotton candy, like sexuality hits all the dopamine reward pathway stuff, or sit down and do your math homework, which is like broccoli, like it's, it's boring, it's that doesn't stimulate the reward the same way. And the problem is, that's the age where I'm developing relationships with other human beings. And if that's um, if it, it happens, let's say male to male or male to female, now that person is in a category that's being objectified as a sexual object instead of I'm this person who's good at math and running and I have self-esteem and I, I like to stay after and get extra credit. And this is who I am because I'm going through my developmental trajectory absent of the hyper stimulation of sexuality prematurely that I don't develop identity because I just want to get the next hit right? Just like a drug addict. Kids are no different than the adult brain of a cocaine addict who's like, oh, I just want another boy to pay attention to me. I just want another girl to pay attention to me. And so this sexuality is awakened and it will naturally, we will naturally go for the dessert before we're going to go for the Brussels sprouts. But then that leaves a lot of people to your point who don't actually know who they are because they haven't spent the time just having normal male and female interactions that are based on like self-esteem and confidence and competition and all these cute, normal developmental trajectory stages, because now it's just a conquest. And it's you liking me now gives me value and worth and identity. And then I'm not actually going through my own identity versus role confusion stage of development, according to Eric Erickson, um, that that's one of our stages that we need to have identity separate from romantic relationship or conquest, because then I'm a whole person and a whole person can come together with another whole person and it can be interdependent instead of this codependent, I need you to fulfill me and satisfy me. And if you don't, then I get possessive, I get controlling, I get abusive, I get withdrawing, I pull away from you, I play games, because I need you to tell me that I'm worthy. And if you're not, then I feel permission to step out on the relationship and go get it somewhere else, because I develop this sense of um, you are my source of worth and value. And if that's not being fulfilled, then I feel entitled to then get it somewhere else. Powerful. Yes. To everything. Yeah. So we can unravel a lot of these lies that we tell ourselves, male and female. It's so common for people to look for their worth in a sexual conquest or romantic relationship. For females, it tends to be more the fantasy of the romantic and I'm pursued and I'm loved and I'm valuable and worthy and I'll give sex in order to hear I love you. And for a lot of guys, this is not always true. It's a sweeping generalization, but they tend to say I love you in order to get sex. And so it's like the kryptonite, right? Like both sides are just looking for love 
love and identity and value and connection. But what we're doing is we're doing it the counterfeit way, opposite of God's heart for people. So then now we're in this frustrated, addicted, I have to go back. And you'll see people in ambivalent relationships where they're like, I hate you, but don't leave me because I'm frantic and I'm scared and insecure. And I may call you a B-I-T-C-H, but then I'm like, oh, but you're my woman and I'm so grateful for you. And it's like, this is so unhealthy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like the, I'll take whatever attention I can get. Come on. And we're worth so much more, Dr. Shannon. Like Mm -hmm. whoever's listening, you're worth so much more Mm -hmm. than just the least. Any man that's listening, you're worth so much more than just being complimented when you are performing in the bedroom. You're worth more than that. If that's the only time that you feel empowered and that you feel like a man, you're not in the right relationships. You're not. I'm just going to say it plainly. Yeah. Like the right people, even if you're not romantically involved, the right people will be able to speak to and to encourage your manhood completely outside of any expectations of what you're going to give back to them. That's and so I, we, good. We, I love what you said, Dr. Shannon, we've so cheapened our worth because yeah. we're not looking at ourselves the way that our dad, our heavenly father looks at us. He looks at us with so much value, so much yeah. value. In fact, that while we were in the midst of all of our mess and even enemies of God, he saw value then enough to send Jesus and die. Come like on. who does that, right? Okay. Who does that when somebody is demonstrating the worst value possible and yet he can still see all the treasure and say, I'll die for that, right? Yeah. We have to be able to, to begin to see ourselves with that level of value so that we don't just accept somebody's leftovers, right? Yes. So that then we treat each other the same way. And like you said, it becomes interdependent. Yes. And not yeah. And Could you just speak even as a married man, what that feels like to have an interdependent relationship? Because I think that's foreign for a lot of people. One, they may not have seen it modeled growing up. And then maybe most of our relationships, you know, in our own life have just been kind of this like tease and this game and this, I hate you. I love you. Let's stay together and kind of back and forth. And we're friends, but now we're more than friends. Like, so there's just so much insecurity in the relationships that are normal in our culture right now, what does that feel like on before and then now after being in an interdependent relationship? Absolutely. Well, I'll put this caveat in. That's such a great question, Dr. Shannon. I'll put this caveat in and say in marriage, you got to build it, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just going to happen by osmosis. You got to build and work together to ensure that interdependence is what you become. And part of that is, as you said, doing the work in your singleness to be a whole person so that you're bringing your full self to the table. But I think prior to really that state of interdependence, like you said, outside of that, it just feels like a constant tug of war and somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And I think that there are some men who are just struggling with that, even just relationally, where it feels like in so many areas, just to keep, quote unquote, your wife happy, you know, happy wife, happy life, that Mm -hmm. you always see, it feels like you have to lose and you have to lose and you have to lose. Mm -hmm. That that's, that's not interdependence, right? And that just means that there are some conversations that need to happen to Mm -hmm. where that can be established. So it can really feel like competition, Shannon, when you don't have the kind of interdependence that you should. Mm -hmm. When you do have that, I can tell you as a married man, my wife is not perfect and neither am I. Good God, we're not even close. (laughs) But what we, but we know we've learned through our time together where we're strong and where we're weak. So I, as a man, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm the man of the house. Okay, whatever. But I have to be under, I have to understand that my wife is my safe place to be vulnerable, which mm-hmm. means I am permitted by God to be weak in certain areas where she's strong. Yeah. I don't have to be strong in every area. I don't have to be the big bad dude that nothing affects me and nothing touches me. And mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of men, we've got a lot of pent up emotions because we feel like we have to be this rock all the time. 
And that's not the case. Your wife is strong in areas where you're weak. For instance, my wife is a detail queen. She's a detail queen. So I've learned not to be so controlling as if I've got to dominate all of these areas. There are details that when they're in her hands, she's the best possible person to do it. And it makes me feel safe. As opposed to the pressure being on my shoulders as a man, I got to provide, I got to do this, I have to do that, I have to pay all this stuff, I have to do all of these things. And we, we stack up all of this uh, um, responsibility on our shoulders instead of leaning on our partner yeah. and sharing it together. So yeah. interdependence, Dr. Shannon, it's security, it's mm. safety, it's to know that I've got this and she's got that. Mm. I'm going to handle where I'm strong and she can handle where I'm weak. And when you know that you can trust a person with the vulnerable aspects of yourself and they can handle it, mm-hmm. there, there are few feelings that are better than that. When, when, when I know that my wife is operating in the areas where she's strong and I'm weak, I feel safe and I feel secure. Mm-hmm. So interdependence is a true form of security. And that's why we've got to shoot for it as a goal. In a Absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, that's what everybody's looking for. We're just using these substitute ways that culture has conditioned us to think are normal. But I think all of us are looking for this really safe romantic relationship where you can be safe and vulnerable and fun and adventure and partner and co-promote each other and be sexually engaging and lively and wonderful. And God wants all that. I think there's this Puritanian view that God's like, distant and cold and doesn't care about that area of your life. And if anybody is in a dry, barren marriage, we want to encourage you that we are going to have specific episodes on that part of marriage in the future. But right now we just wanted to speak to what is the value? Why does it matter to choose fidelity? Because when you're in a covenant marriage, uh, you better believe the enemy is going to bring some temptation your way, right? And so in that moment, there's the opportunity to eat the apple and decide to go that course. And the Bible's very clear that that's the actual path of destruction. And there's so much in Proverbs about going toward affairs and the cost that that has. Now, if you have had an affair or even an emotional affair, because Jesus said what you do in your heart is the same thing as if you had acted on it. I mean, the consequences aren't always the same, but to Jesus, it's still, that's in your heart. You're meditating about somebody else. And so we have no condemnation for you. We have only grace grace because Jesus is so, so compassionate and loving and good and for you, but he also loves you enough to say, would you come out of territory that's going to lead to destruction, come away from that cliff where your life's going to go off the rails? And would you join me back in the sweet place? In Proverbs, it says his boundaries have fallen in a pleasant place, that he wants good for you. He wants you to prosper even as your soul prospers. But we have to start to believe the word of God that he really does want you to enjoy every area. The whole book of Song of Solomon is committed to the importance of God's heart for sexuality. But he's saying, here's my safeguards. Here's how you protect not just a act, but a covenant relationship that you can banquet from, that you can enjoy, that's laid out before you. And there is sweetness and uh, vulnerability and cheering. And you can have that everyday freedom of not having to remember what lie you told and who you said you were with when what those hours and what you clear out your computer screen and all that, just removing that. And the first step is surrender. The first step is saying, I acknowledge that I have been in sin. I acknowledge that I have been in sexual immorality and I repent. And Lord, I can't do this in my own strength. 
And that's the day that it finally changed for me. I would make out with boys and make bad choices and devalue myself because I was looking for value and worth instead of through Christ, I was looking through it for boys. And so when I was really young, it I would just destroy myself, destroy myself, destroy myself. And then finally, when I came to the end of myself and repented, and I just said, God, this is sin and I can't stop and I need help and I surrender. And it was, it was not immediate, but it was just like this gradual shifting, like this goodness of the Lord. And then when I asked for the fear of the Lord, and I'm going to do a whole episode on that, my life radically changed. And things that my cute little Christian self could not do, even though I love Jesus, everything in the purity and the holiness of walking close to Jesus, everything changed. And this battle that I had lived with my whole life that I just thought was who I was. And many men listening right now, it probably think that's just who you are. It's just, you're a man. You can't help it. That's how you're wired, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I love that David Johnson, the second is speaking up and encouraging men to say, you have worked worth and value as a man apart from your sexual prowess, from your bedroom behavior, from how many women are in your little black book or who are going to, you know, hang on your arms or your Facebook pictures or whatever. Like you have worth as men, you're valuable, just you. And it is worth waiting for God to say, Hey, let me highlight this girl is the one. And then building and investing, just like if you were a farmer and you were sowing all over the place, you would get a very willy nilly poor harvest, you know, but if you're a farmer and you dedicate this square of land and you say, I am going to till it, I'm going to cultivate it. I'm going to put new soil. I'm going to take the weeds out. I'm going to be tender. I'm going to give my best to this square of land, i.e. wife. I'm going to now invest. I'm going to have this huge harvest and it's going to be far better than I can hope, dream, or imagine because I'm not looking for the immediacy of the moment. I'm looking for a lifestyle of legacy that gets to live beyond me. And now I have this covenant relationship with so much security. And then other people can be encouraged. Like people are encouraged looking at David's marriage today. Yeah, absolutely. That's so powerful. Dr. Shannon, if I can just say one more thing, I love what you shared about value and about just as a woman, like your experiences. And Mm -hmm. I just want to bring it right back to some men who may not necessarily look at that. They're still kind of struggling with that correlation. Let me just make it real plain and say it this way. The strongest posture for a man is to be surrendering. Like Mm -hmm. surrender is the strongest posture. And I'm going to say this to, to really make it plain. I don't think that a lot of men, Dr. Shannon, are really aware that as powerful as they desire to be and sometimes see themselves as if sex is controlling you, if, mm-hmm. if sex is in control, it's in control. Mm-hmm. Like you're literally powerless. Yeah. I'm going to be very honest, Dr. Shannon, this might sound prideful, but as a man, I don't want to be controlled by anything except That's the right. spirit of God. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like the feeling of, some, of having to do something because I can't control myself. To yeah. me, that's irresponsible and it makes me feel weak. Yeah. And God empowers us Mm -hmm. to be in control and Mm -hmm. to subject our bodies. So literally, like I want to encourage a man who sometimes, you know, you're laying at night and your heart's beating fast and you're just like, I got to do something about the way that I'm feeling. No, you're in control. Your body doesn't get to tell you what to do. You tell it what to do. You're a man. You are empowered by God to Lord over your body. So stand up, let the blood flow throughout your body, Mm -hmm. walk around a little bit Mm -hmm. and tell yourself I'm in control. 
I control my sexuality. Yeah. I'm responsible for it. Yeah. I tell my body when it can have what it wants and how it's going to have what it wants. I want to empower you. I don't think that we look at sex as controlling us. We look at it as this, this, this sweet thing that we get to chase, but it's literally a taskmaster. Come on. If, it, if we let it be the mm-hmm. one that rules, it will whip us into always having to run after the next conquest because we cannot be satisfied outside yeah. of our bodies feeling a certain way. So I want to encourage a man. Okay. Maybe for you, if you don't think, I mean, you really are looking for value, but maybe you don't think that value is your issue. Well, let's go to the issue of control. You deserve to be in control of your body. You deserve to lord over your body and to tell it when it can have what it wants and when it can't have what it wants. And if you can develop these disciplines in the area of a, of a, of a, of a portion of life as influential as sex, Think of the disciplines you can develop in your finances. Think of the disciplines you can develop in your job and in your business. You can be a person of such great discipline that you can accomplish anything God has for you. So good. David Johnson, the second we have to have you back, you're incredible. What a blessing. You're so, so great. And we're going to put some links because if you need a communicator or a worship leader, he would not promote himself, but I will. I will promote him gladly because I believe in him and I watched his life and I know the integrity and the behind the scenes and not just what you see in public. So I honor you, my friend, and thank you for being on this episode. And we look forward to seeing you next time. And if this touched you or you think it might bless somebody, please share, subscribe so we can minister to bless, build up and encourage more people. Love you guys. Bye. Hey friends, thanks for listening. We would love for you to get plugged in with the Unlock You community. So follow the links below and stay up to date with upcoming content, events, and groups. We are here to invest in you and tailor episodes around your interests. Post comments, and hey, if there are any specific topics you'd like to hear about, let us know so we can strategically build content that is meaningful to you. And will you share this podcast so we can invest into more amazing people? Be sure to hit subscribe so we can see you for the next episode.